You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange with me, Arthur Parkinson, and my friend, Sarah Raven. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to Sarah about the trialling that happens every year all the time at Perch Hill, which is where Sarah and Josie and the gardening team and the plant buying team of Sarah Raven are selecting plants and different seeds to trial and grow to see what me and Sarah and everyone else love and all the things that we love do eventually end up in the catalogue. But it's quite a long process because we have to source the seed, grow it at Perch Hill, and then try and get enough of it to make it available to everyone to buy online. And often me and Sarah are constantly texting each other when we're in garden centres or on holiday or having a walk. or And we're also sending each other Instagram photos and videos of anything that we spot that we both like. And we're always making notes and sending emails to say, oh, we must get this next year and we must put this with that. And, and what also is lovely is we're also combining our old favourites with new favourites all the time particularly when we arrange and that's what I do when I come to Perch Hill Sarah's always got a list for me I'm always combining things in the vase so even if they're not in a pot that year we often make a note and say oh we must put that together because it looks really beautiful in the vase so Sarah tell me what are your favourites this summer from the trials at Perch Hill well without doubt uh, there have been two poppies here that have absolutely stolen my heart. And the first mm. is a variety of poppy that we actually have grown quite a bit, but about 10 years ago. And then somehow we stopped. You know how one does with things. You just sort of forget to sow it one year and then it goes out of your repertoire. And that's a, an annual poppy called Ladybird. And it's called Papava Commutatum Ladybird. And it's the most wonderful, proper pillar box red with these black splotches at the center of the flower. And it looks rather like a ladybird, but not spots all the way over like, like with a ladybird, but, but just with four splotches at the center of the flower. And we had it in a west-facing border, so sunny in the morning, but shady in the afternoon. And it just really, really made my heart sing whenever I walked past it to go and put either the chickens away or let them out. And yeah, it was just absolutely beautiful and flowered for about six weeks. I mean, not so long, I suppose. And I, I'm hoping that it will have self-seeded. So I loved that. And then another one that we have really struggled to get to germinate. But this year, we got almost 100% germination. And it's a variety called Amazing Grey. And uh, I don't know, sometimes my heart sinks really with the very trendy things. And, you know, I was, I was worried because it's been over Instagram so much like Cafe Olay Daily was about 10 years ago that I, I was going to sort of react against it in a funny way because it was so top of the pops, but you just can't because it's the most beautiful thing. Some of them are almost a uh, silvery gray with quite a lot of white in. Some are much darker and more sombery. Some have also got a little touch of sort of slaty purple in them. And they're like the perfect crinkled tissue paper flower. And the bees and butterflies absolutely love them. And particularly bees, you see these bumblebees with huge great pollen sacs underneath their legs 
And uh, they just spent hours on the patch that we had here. And I asked you if you would do an arrangement with them and we seared them. And then, I mean, they only lasted two days, but they were absolutely knockout. So I would say those are are two of my very favorite new things we've had in the garden this year. Yeah, I loved loved that too. And I was talking to Josie because obviously these poppies were in a row. And I said to Josie, how did you manage to to get them in a row? She says, oh, they they worked out really happy to be sown into modules um, and then to be planted out. I think a lot of us think we've just got to chuck poppy seed, but these were in a a very uh, neat row. Yeah, I know. It's it's good to know that you can treat poppies like that. Well, uh, talking of which, we've just been experimenting with a new modular system of seed tray, which is made from sustainable rubber. And I love Yes, I've got one. Have you got one? I Mm. really love it because it's squidgy like a rubber. And so you Mm. can just squeeze the bottom and the module, the the plant and its roots just sort of pop out at the top. And they're not plastic and they don't sort of collapse in the light, which a lot of those cheaper plastic things seem to do. And they become Mm. very fragile, you know, friable. Whereas these rubber ones, yeah, I'm really loving them and they're brilliant for poppies. So there's something I would sow now, actually. So, you know, any of the annual poppies and or biennial. I was just chatting to the main grower at Hetfield Place, David, and he was telling me that they're sowing Iceland poppies now into modular trays. So I think any of the poppies at this time of year are, are really fantastic. And to put some out in the garden, and if you've got a cold frame or a polytunnel or a greenhouse, to put some into nine centimetres we're putting out next, next March, April, because of course they're hardy, aren't they? What are your things that you've enjoyed seeing new here this year? Well, I've loved seeing the figs emerge from their pots, um, mm. the fig trial. And I was a bit I was a bit concerned because I persuaded you to go for figs. You did. And um, some of them seem to take a while to bud up and start to grow. But they've all seemed to have loved the heat we've had for the past uh, months. Yeah. So it was lovely seeing a few that have even got fruit on yeah. as I was walking around yesterday. Yeah. So hopefully you'll you'll let me know what the taste um comparisons are yeah i think we've got seven varieties on trial and i remember being in rome and walking through all the archaeological center there and seeing all these fig trees just self-seeded between the marble slabs and being struck by you know no organic matter no water uh, and them fruiting away like bilio so when you said why not do a fig trial for pots for containers I just thought it was a genius idea because they're so drought tolerant. By having their their roots restricted, they fruit much more heavily, as we all know. So the, the one disastrous fig we've got here, which I adore for its foliage, but we have planted on the oast, which I put in before I knew that. And its roots have obviously gone right down and romped mm. away. So it doesn't fruit at all. Whereas I've got another one on the west face of the Gardener Cookery School here, where we planted it into a pit and we restricted its roots. And I had the first fig this morning and that's absolutely delicious. So they're an ideal pot plant and it's such a brilliant idea. So yeah, I'll definitely fill everybody in as to which variety has the tastiest figs. And the foliage, even in the heat, just looks so luscious against all your herbs, some of which have have burnt out by now, haven't they? So, you know, in a small garden to have something that's, you know, a mini tree that looks radiant in the the summer heat, I think is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, fig, fig umbrella. And I think I think the one that I've got on the west end of the school is called is it called brown turkey, and it's certainly a brown fruiter and it, I, honestly really delicious and and as I say first ones are, are ripening already and it looks like it's going to be really prolific, 
So that, that seems to be a really reliable one. But we'll know more about more varieties very soon. <laughs> we should stick with the edibles, I suppose. I've loved in the same area of the garden seeing um, containers full of mints. Yes. All different flavours and scents. And they seem to have got much better as the seasons progressed, haven't they? Because they arrived, I think, as nine centimetre plants. Yeah. And Josie put them into lovely galvanised buckets. And I see that she's she's chopped some of them back by now. But the ones that have been cut back are really filling up the buckets. They are. So quickly. And enjoying that containment. Yeah. So uh, we've got 16 varieties of, of mint on trial. And again, I'll definitely write about that and sort of report on which ones we like. And you and I will select a few, some for the kitchen and some for the vase, because that's what I, I really love, mint in arrangements. I did um, some wedding flowers a couple of weekends ago. And I said to the bride, could I put some mint in? Because it's so nice when you're holding something, if you just bruise a stem, you just get that lovely fresh smell. And she was up for it. So um, I put lots of mint in her bouquet and it it looked great. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I'm I'm excited about those. Definitely the, the, the best one so far for tea. I love mint tea. It seems to be black peppermint which is, I think, related to the spearmints, but it's got this quite black stem and black midrib to the leaf. And even more than the classic Moroccan spearmint, it seems to have a really tangy tea, which I'm really liking. And then, I mean, I know you love strawberry mint for picking, don't you, for flowering? Yeah, I do. And it it just smells like strawberry. I also love grapefruit because that's really nice in in gin. Yeah, really But again, I mean, I think the mints are just so lovely because they provide that connection for first-time gardeners, don't they? If you can bring something into the house and cook with it and appreciate it, I think that's how a lot of people start to love gardening. And we've had several guest people, haven't we, who are so into herbs through cooking and then they become gardeners. So they they really are sort of like a connector plant, aren't they? Yeah, no, definitely. Diana Henry, that wonderful chef, I know on her Instagram, she's been sent some mints by Mark Diacono. And um, mm. that's really got her into it. And I, I, you're absolutely right. I think they are a really good entry point. What I would say about mints in pots is you can't be 100% lazy because they actually derive the flavor for their essential oil through minerals. And if you don't repot them, they gradually lose their flavor. So either in the autumn when they go into dormancy or even in the spring when they come out of dormancy again in sort of March, April, take them out of their pot, cut them in four and repot them into new compost and into a new pot. Or, or, you know, you can put them back into the original, but with new compost. And that way you'll keep them with that really properly minty flavor. But that's quite important. And then if you want to do them in the ground rather than the pot, what I would recommend is not to worry about them being runners and invasive. Find a place if you possibly can in your garden, like under a hedge or around the back of a shed or in our case, on a bank by the polytunnel, and plant them in there. And then they can just almost romp away like ground cover. And so I can go to a couple of places here, and I can come back with a proper basket of mint. Uh, You don't have to just pick one sprig, which, you know, from pots, you have to be a little bit more conservative on quantities. And I love that, that I can just pick huge amounts and sometimes just put them on the kitchen table, just literally on their own in jam jars. And they look just so nice. So if you've got a place, you know, just dig a hole, put a bit of compost in and then just let the mint romp away and run away and then pick to your heart's content. Lovely. 
And, and sticking with edibles, surprisingly, I'm interested in edibles for one episode. Yeah. Um, there was a wonderful basil in the greenhouse that me and Jonathan picked yesterday afternoon, and I loved it. It was like um, the feathers of a fancy pigeon or purple ruffles. Or it is, is it? Is yeah. It like that's that? a yeah. brand new one. Yep, we yeah, want trials. Love that. Beautiful. Good. Well, that takes us in a very nifty little segue into tomatoes, because I know one of the things that you've been raving about that you have grown for the first time is a tomato. So will you tell us all about that? <laughs> yeah, it's partly because I saw it. you'd grown it in a in a trough. And then um, our friend Shane Connolly, he'd got it as a living floral tapestry mm. down his, his dining table, hadn't he? Yeah, so and nice. Because I've got to write a, a new flower yard book, I've been trying to do different things in pots. <laughs> and I thought, okay, this year I will grow tomatoes for the first time. I have to say, until they've had fruit on, they've annoyed me because okay. I've had to take leaves off that have looked a bit sad but with the heat we've had they have cheered up a lot and so this micro cherry which is the variety i've just been mentioned talking about i love it and um Good. apparently i haven't eaten one someone else ate one yesterday and they said it, it tasted of truffle oh. uh, i'm not sure if that's true but... <laughs> i think that's a bit of an exaggeration <laughs> yeah they, they, they were very very um happy with it but i thought oh okay i don't know what i've been feeding but i mean but what i did do i've been feeding them two times a week with seaweed feed and they've also been getting little mulches of um, just f- organic farmyard manure okay on the top of the pot because they've been very hungry but they look wonderful and they're in very small pots mm. so they have they have worked and um, I'm bringing them into the house now as a living floral thing and it's just lovely to have the the leaf scent and the tomatoes so yeah, I'm very pleased to have trialed them this year so I mean it is an edible but what you're saying is you're using it ornamentally and that's been a huge success. Yeah, I haven't got the heart to take all the tomatoes off and no. use them in pasta. I don't think you would either, actually. No. <laughs> but no. yeah, I'm, I'm still buying tomatoes, organic British tomatoes from the supermarket. They've not completely stocked up the fridge. No, they're, <laughs> they're actually rather tiny, so you'd have yeah. to have an awful lot. Um, well, the other thing that I wanted to chat about now is the Rebecca trial that we've got going on here. So there, it's a whole new lot of Rebecca's, and I'm really love Rebecca's. In a way, they're such troopers. I think people are dismissive of them. And I don't mean the perennial Rebecca's, which have the sort of classic, that sort of central boss, and then the whirl of petals. I mean, the really rich, crimson, aubergine, mahogany, you know, those sort of rich colors. I'm not so very keen on the yellows. Anyway, we've got a trial of 12 different varieties in a line here in the garden. And they're called the Enchanted series. And they have just been amazing. So they came into flower in June, end of June. So here we are in the early autumn and they're absolutely pumping it. And I know from the one I've grown from seed many years running, which is called Cherry Brandy, that if we're lucky and we actually keep picking them, so they keep producing, we might be able to go on picking them almost until Christmas. So they're certainly a really hard worker like Adelia, but they're very sort of pot compatible in terms of size. So they're probably about 45 centimetres, I suppose, something like that. And they've got this vase life. If you see the stem ends in boiling water, they last 10 days to two weeks in the vase. So yeah, I've been really loving them. And there's one called Enchanted Forest, which is a green. And there's Enchanted Night Velvet, I think, which is a, a crimson. Anyway, I think they're definitely a spaced watch and they're going to be available with us next year if not next year all of them but the year after unfortunately 
our trials quite often precede availability rather too long in a way. But um, did you like them or not? Because I know you were looking at them. I, I did. I've always liked um, your stalwart one, Cappuccino. Yeah. And mm. I, I do like you. I became fed up with them simply because I've become allergic to tiny seed. <laughs> ah, yeah. Because compared to a Cosmos, you can't place a, a Rebecca seed. They're like foxglove mm. seed or mm. Nicotiana seed. They're like dust. But no, and, and interestingly, my mum loves them and she left cherry brandy in last year and it completely overwintered and it's flowering again. <gasps> wow, so what okay. I'm interested to know with you is maybe you, you might be able to leave that row. Yes, well, they're being marketed as perennial. Yeah. So that's exactly why we're not going to release oh, them straight away because we want to see whether they do survive. That's really good because, yeah, quite often it's time here when you go to the garden centre to get some, you know, plants to fill in the border you see them advertised as perennial and i've never had success actually but it's good to know they're trying to breed them to be a bit hardier and certainly cherry brandy i think a bit like salvias the key thing is not to cut them back you've got to let them have a a brownie blanket over the crown of the plant yeah true but yeah we've got cherry brandies that are at least two years old in nottingham have you that's so good mm. and then i also wondered what you thought about all the new cosmos that that we've got on the trials here yeah i like the ones this year there was a year where we we seemed to have a lot of dinky yeah. dinky cosmos but i i really have enjoyed picking um apricotter and um lemonade probably got the names wrong <laughs> no yeah it's it's apricotter and apricot lemonade mm. is the second one actually yeah I really like the pinks. They're very different to um, Rebenza and Dazzler. They're kind of like um, milky electric pinks, aren't they? With yeah. a splash of yellow now and then. And and some seem to be like semi-double, um, but all of them are single, so the bees love them. Yeah. And they have lovely habits. I was noticing that in the row, beautiful, airy habits. Yeah. And very healthy. None of them this year seem to have got that brownie rust of the no. foliage. See, I find that so interesting because last year we really struggled with our cosmos. Yeah, you did. I remember. This year has been so hot and so dry mm. and they're thriving and we haven't got a hint of the rust. And yeah. also we haven't got a hint of that really annoying thing of things like purity growing up and Dazzler particularly growing up to like eight foot before they start to flower. Mm. So I've been picking both of those here and Rebenza actually, all those ones, well, I would say since at least the beginning of July and they're just pumping it. And I really like the, the apricot lemonade one. To be honest, that pale sort of lemon yellow is not my favorite color, but I really like its size because we've got it growing with a lickness in a water trough on the lawn here in a container. And um, it's really sort of pot compatible. And I think if you've got a small urban garden and you want a pot that you can pick from to your heart's content and have flowers inside as well as flowers outside, then any of those more uh, petite cosmos are are really incredibly suitable, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, the other store what cut flowers, sweet peas, and you always do a sweet pea trial. Of course, they've all gone over now. Yeah. But I've done a few new varieties this year. And my favourite one's been one called Amelia Fox. Oh, I know. You got me into that. I keep going on and on about it. Yeah. But it was such a good sweet pea, such yeah. good scent. And just like Machicana in colour, but just a bit bigger. Yeah, a bit showy. So that's been my sweet pea of, of, of the year this year. Yeah. And I love, uh, we've got one still flowering amazingly, uh, which oh, I think good. is Windsor, which is a li- really lovely dark red. It's not burgundy. It's much redder than that. It's like really saturated port wine kind of mm. color it's, it's just absolutely beautiful and then we've got another um one here called little red riding hood 
we're trialing it for pots and containers, and it's like a compact painted lady. And even though we sowed that very, very late, and it's so now in early autumn, it's flowering. Yeah, I'm really pleased with that. It's quite petite, quite delicate. But I think for a wedding, um, that could be a really lovely thing as a table center, literally yeah, growing, growing on sort of mini table teepees or something. I think that could work really well for a wedding or summer party. And what's the one that's um, a tall one next to Josie's office we were both admiring yesterday that's a beautiful carmen red? So I think I think that might be this one called Windsor or it might be... Winston Churchill. Or it might be Winston Churchill, exactly. I'm not sure. It's one or other of yeah. those, I think. So I've, I've got to ID that, but I, I really love that colour. And it's mm. similar to King Edward VII. That's another beautiful yeah. one. And all three of those have fantastic scent. And then the other thing that I've been bowled over by this year is the herbaceous clematis, Durandii. And we've got that growing up, those wire fences all the way down the main path in the perennial cutting garden. And really, honestly, that has been in flower now for three months, I would say. So I think it must be a sort of improved, I think it was a form that's been bred as a cut flower. And so it doesn't form the tendrils. But I just can't believe how long that, that's gone on flowering. It really, yeah, it's, it, I, I want to do whole clematis trial for picking next year for that oh good reason. and flower pressing because they're brilliant as pressed flowers oh yes what a good idea absolutely yes. beautiful yeah, yeah yeah completely and so the last thing i wanted to mention and but then you might have another is new zinnias so we've had various zinnias on trial here there's one called lilliput mix which is a a tiny one very delicate lovely and I, i've been really pleased with that and it makes wonderful buttonholes so again for this wedding we used it and it lasted really well out of water for a buttonhole. But I I have been bowled over, not by new, but by two varieties that we've grown for two or three years running now, but growing together. And that's Zinnia Queenie Red Lime and Queenie Orange Lime. And they've both got this very sort of muted, but quite in a way saturated palette of green with either sort of deep pinky, smoky crimson or green with a very, very greeny orange. So it's not a sort of bright tangerine at all. And we've got them at the end of a trial cutting patch here growing together. And I picked them for a bucket and just bought them in like that. And they just look absolutely sensational. So they're not something for sowing now, but for sowing next May into your rubber seed tray. But I just wanted to comment on them because they're the thing that probably I've loved almost more than anything in the cut flower patches this season. Yeah, I'm always jealous of your zinnias. I never grow any. I have got a pot of the Aztec Burgundy mix this year. Oh, yeah. And I'm loving that. But they've survived because I used that that rubber seed tray that we've mentioned. Yes. Because uh, they just didn't have any root disturbance. So I just plopped them out and into the main pot. And they, they're flowering beautifully. It's like a big umbrella of circus flowers. Oh, and they have a vase life of a month, that variety. Yeah, uh, I've not picked any yet, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Good. Mm. Good. Well, that was very nice to chat. It's made me want to go and sow some seeds now. So um, <laughs> I'm off into the polytunnel. Next week, Arthur won't be with me. He's on holiday. But I'm going to be joined by David Rowley, who is the head market gardener at Heckfield Place, which is a really wonderful hotel that I was lucky enough to go to in the summer. And what I was really struck by was the amazing amount of autumn sowing that David was doing. So it's a biodynamic farm and a biodynamic market garden. 
and there's so many interesting and lovely things to learn from David, the head gardener there. So I'm going to be chatting to him next week. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahaven.com.